I'm not a real smart guy. And what I mean by that is I was born with ADD, ADHD. All, like, my brain cannot retain information. I'm not some genetic freak when it comes to running, when it comes to lifting weights. I'm, I am absolutely the bottom of the barrel. And people will never believe me. And they can just, you know, whatever. Believe what you want to believe. So when you ask me this question about what does studying look like for me, I have to go over the same page over and over and over and over again. While Jennifer can look at that page, while she's, you know, quizzing me, she'll learn it right then as she's, she doesn't know anything about it. She will quiz herself or quiz me and learn it as she's quizzing me. It's the most frustrating thing in the world how my brain works. So what I, so what I do is I literally sit there with a pen and paper and I have my books and I go through and have to write everything down every single day. I will study the same page until it's photographic memory from writing the same thing down. And then from there, I'll go back through and relearn it again. So I'll learn the bulk of it, but then I'll go through and learn the small things within that. So if it's a medication, I'll learn what the medication does. I'll first, I'll learn how to even say the medication. Because these medications aren't like, you know, like albuterol. No, it's, it's, it's very big words. So I'll go through, learn how to say the name. Then I'll go through, learn what the dose is. Then I'll go through, and this is like every single day. It's not like, oh, I got it. Let's just go through. No, nothing is, I got it. Every single thing. That's, so I, I, I can't wait to get in this conversation because everything I do in life, it sucks. Everything I do in life, it sucks. That's why when I was 300 pounds and 24 years old, it wasn't like I had some big epiphany of let's just go be a Navy SEAL and let's lose some weight. No, I knew my entire life was going to be a struggle, which is why I just ignored it. And I said, I'm not even trying to jump off into this and learn how to read, how to write, how to memorize, how to become something I am not. But through that process, something happened to me. And I realized, that's, this is why I feel sorry for no one. Because people are going to think that I am maybe lying or maybe fibbing or exaggerating. No, I am literally, I was the lowest form on earth. No talent, no ability to learn. And I literally know what it is to be rock bottom and to build that up. Some criticize my level of passion, but I'm not down with the prevailing mentalities that tend to dominate American society these days. The ones that tell us to go with the flow or invite us to learn how to get more with less effort. That shortcut bullshit. The reason I embrace my own obsessions and demand and desire more of myself is because I've learned that it's only when I push beyond pain and suffering past my perceived limitations, that I'm capable of accomplishing more physically and mentally in endurance races, but also in life as a whole. And I believe the same is true for you. The human body is like a stock car. We may look different on the outside, but under the hood, we all have huge reservoirs of potential and a governor impeding us from reaching our maximum velocity. In a car, the governor limits the flow of fuel and air so it doesn't burn too hot, which places a ceiling on performance. 
It's a hardware issue. The governor can easily be removed. And if you disable yours, watch your car rocket beyond 130 miles per hour. It's a subtle process in the human animal. Our governor is buried deep in our minds, intertwined with our very identity. It knows what and who we love and hate. It's read our whole life story and forms the way we see ourselves and how we'd like to be seen. It's the software that delivers personalized feedback in the form of pain and exhaustion, but also fear and insecurity. And it uses all of that to encourage us to stop before we risk it all. But here's the thing. It doesn't have absolute control. Unlike the governor in an engine, ours can't stop us unless we buy into its bull and agree to quit. Sadly, most of us give up when we've only given around 40% of our maximum effort. Even when we feel like we've reached our absolute limit, we still have 60% more to give. That's the governor in action. Once you know that to be true, it's simply a matter of stretching your pain tolerance, letting go of your identity and all your self-limiting stories. So you can get to 60%, then 80% and beyond without giving up. I call this the 40 rule. And the reason it's so powerful is that if you follow it, you will unlock your mind to new levels of performance and excellence in sports and in life. And your rewards will run far deeper than mere material success. The 40 rule can be applied to everything we do. Because in life, almost nothing will turn out exactly as we hope. There are always challenges, and whether we are at work or school or feeling tested within our most intimate or important relationships, we will all be tempted to walk away from commitments, give up on our goals and dreams, and sell our own happiness short at some point, because we will feel empty like we have no more to give when we haven't tapped even half of the treasure buried deep in our minds, hearts, and souls. We have a theorist and we have a practitioner. Mm -hmm. The theorist is a person that's going to sit back and read books mm -hmm. from a library that someone else wrote. They become real smart about what someone else wrote. Okay. A practitioner is a man is me. I put myself in hell, lived in it for a long time and figured out how the human mind works while being, while suffering, while in pain, while yeah. misery. Yeah. And that's how I wrote my book. Yeah. I want to tell you exactly what your mind is thinking. Most of us don't stay in hell long enough to write the book. Yeah. I stayed in long enough to write it and finish the book. The road to success is rarely a straight line. For me, it's always been more like a maze. Many times when I thought I'd finally cracked the code, had it all figured out and found the straight path to certain victory, I hit a wall or got spun into a turnaround. When that happens, we have two choices. We can stay stuck or regroup back up and try again. That's where evolution begins. Hitting those walls time and again will harden and streamline you. Having to back up and formulate a new plan without any assurances it will ever pan out will tune your say up and develop your problem. Solving skills and your endurance, it will force you to adapt. When that happens hundreds of times over the course of many years, it is physically exhausting and mentally draining, and it becomes damn near impossible to believe in yourself or your future. A lot of people abandon belief at that point. They swirl in the eddies of comfort. 
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer or regret, perhaps claim their victimhood and stop looking for their way out of the maze. Others keep believing and find a way out but hope to never slip into a trap like that ever again. And those skills they'd honed and developed with her, they lose their edge. I am always on the hunt for another twisted pretzel of a maze to get lost in because that's where I find myself. The smooth road to success is of no use to savages like me. That may sound ideal, but it won't test us. It doesn't demand belief, so it will never make us great. We all build belief in different ways. I clock countless hours in the gym where I log thousands of reps and run and ride my bike obscene distances to cultivate belief. Despite what you may think, I don't consider myself an ultra athlete because those races are not who I am. They are tools. Each one provides me a stockpile of faith. So when I get stuck in the maze of life like a broke down savage, I still believe I'm capable of achieving my unreasonable goals, such as becoming a smoke jumper at 47 years old, no matter what society or the good doctor says. I don't mean to suggest that you must run 100 or 200 miles to believe you have what it takes to get where you want to go. That's what I had to do based on the depth of the darkness I came from and the scale of my ambitions. But if you've lost it, you do need to find your way back to belief. Whatever it takes for you to believe that you're better than good enough to achieve your dreams is what you must do. And remember, your greatness is not tied to any outcome. It is found in the valiance of the attempt. It's more important to, to own your weaknesses. You got to really triple down on those, man. Because why? You want to become a full human being. We like to run away from weaknesses. Like, for instance, if you're good at running, all you want to do is run. Mm. If you're great at reading, you have several books. But we don't do those things that we're not good at. So for me, I realized... I keep on running away from these things I'm not good at. I have to dive into these things. I have to become one with these things. And that's what happened. And so I, I, I own them both. Yeah. And I talk very openly about them both. Our culture has become hooked on the quick fix, the life hack efficiency. Everyone is on the hunt for that simple action algorithm that nets maximum profit with the least amount of effort. There's no denying this attitude may get you some of the trappings of success if you're lucky, but it will not lead to a callous mind or self-mastery. If you want to master the mind and remove your governor, you'll have to become addicted to hard work because passion and obsession, even talent, are only useful tools if you have the work ethic to back them up. My work ethic is the single most important factor in all of my accomplishments. Everything else is secondary. And when it comes to hard work, whether in the gym or on the job, the 40 rule applies to me. A 40 hour work week is a 40% effort. It may be satisfactory, but that's another word for mediocrity. 
Don't settle for a 40-hour work week. There are 168 hours in a week. That means you have the hours to put in that extra time at work without skimping on your exercise. It means streamlining your nutrition, spending quality time with your wife and kids. It means scheduling your life like you're on a 24-hour mission every single day. The number one excuse I hear from people as to why they don't work out as much as they want to is that they don't have time. Look, we all have work obligations. None of us want to lose sleep and you'll need time with the family or they'll trip the fuck out. I get it. And if that's your situation, you must win the morning. When I was full-time with the SEALs, I maximized the dark hours before dawn. When my wife was sleeping, I would bang out a six to 10 mile run. My gear was all laid out the night before. My lunch was packed and my work clothes were in my locker at work where I showered before my day started at 7.30 a.m. On a typical day, I'd be out the door for my run just after 4 a.m. And back by 5.15 a.m. Since that wasn't enough for me and because we only owned one car, I rode my bike. I finally got my own 25 miles to work. I'd work from 7.30 a.m. to noon and eat at my desk before or after my lunch break. During the lunch hour, I'd hit the gym or do a four to six mile beach run, work the afternoon shift and hop on my bike for the 25 mile ride home. By the time I was home at 7 p.m., I'd have run about 15 miles, rock 50 miles on the bike and put in a full day at the office. I was always home for dinner and in bed by 10 p.m. so I could do it all over again the next day. On Saturdays, I'd sleep in until 7 a.m. It a three hour workout and spend the rest of the weekend with Kate. If I didn't have a race, Sundays were my active recovery days. I'd do an easy ride at a low heart rate, keeping my pulse below 110 beats per minute to stimulate healthy blood flow. Maybe you think I'm a special case or an obsessive maniac. Fine, I won't argue with you. But what about my friend Mike? He's a big time financial advisor in New York City. His job is high pressure and his workday is a hell of a lot longer than eight hours. He has a wife and two kids, and he's an ultra runner. Here's how he does it. He wakes up at 4 a.m. Every weekday, he runs 60 to 90 minutes each morning while his family is still snoozing, rides a bike to work and back, and does a quick 30-minute treadmill run after he gets home. He goes out for longer runs on weekends, but he minimizes its impact on his family obligation. He's high-powered, wealthy as f- and could easily maintain his status quo with less effort and enjoy the sweet fruits of his labors. But he finds a way to stay hard because his labors are his sweetest fruits. And he makes time to get it all in by minimizing the amount of bullshit clogging his schedule. His priorities are clear and he remains dedicated to his priorities. I'm not talking about general priorities here either. Each hour of his week is dedicated to a particular task. And when that hour shows up in real time, he focuses 100% on that task. That's how I do it too, because that is the only way to minimize wasted hours. Evaluate your life in its totality. We all waste so much time doing meaningless bull. We burn hours on social media and watching television, which by the end of the year would add up to entire days and weeks if you tabulated time like you do your taxes. You should, 
Because if you knew the truth, you deactivate your Facebook account stat and cut your cable. When you find yourself having frivolous conversations or becoming ensnared in activities that don't better you in any way, move the f*** on. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.